the wrestling podcast about nothing is brought to you by bda radio bda radio doesn't break news they break the news with their wild commentary regarding mma and wrestling head on over to bdaradio.com and check out all of the latest news on the ufc bellator wwe and much more they are proud to be the voice of fans because they are fans themselves bdaradio.com I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 17 presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's your wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the Irresistible Force, the Immovable Object, one half of the longest reigning XWA Tag Team Champions in history, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. Oh, I'm here, baby. I'm here. Mike, we had our big sausage pizza for dinner tonight. And, <laughs> sure uh, did. Now we're ready to go, baby. Woo, we went to Paisanos. <laughs> I always Pais- take care of my Paisanos. That's Paisanos of Derry, New Hampshire. <laughs> it sure is. All right. Uh, Brian, I heard you on the Booking the Territory podcast. It was an excellent interview. Thank you. Of course. Did you expect anything less? Of course not. And Mike Mills had you on there and uh, plugged the wrestling podcast about nothing once again. Yes. And we we'll definitely have to have Mike Mills on in the very near future as we figure out our uh, Skyping capabilities. Yes. You, you, I, I, know, I know you're a little heated with me for uh, giving Mike some exclusives uh, <laughs> you know, that I haven't even dropped on the wrestling podcast about nothing yet. So, Well, uh, speaking of the wrestling podcast about nothing, this podcast is available every Monday on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, and of course, BDARadio.com. Now we ask, please, do something for the wrestling podcast about nothing. Be sure to subscribe to the feed on the podcast platform you're on right now and take a minute to rate and review us. Believe us, that's the best way to increase our exposure and help us grow. So please, do us a personal favor. Make sure you're subscribed to the WPAN so you can download the podcast every Monday and take just a minute of your time and give us a review if you wouldn't mind. Thank you very much. Okay, today's show, Brian... SummerSlam is just around the corner. It's next Sunday night. So we decided this week we're going to do something a little different. We're going to take you back 21 years for a special look at one of the most famous SummerSlams of all time for all the wrong reasons. We're talking about SummerSlam 1995. It's hovers near the top of everyone's list when it comes to bad SummerSlams. Yes, I was like, I was like a youngster. I was like four, 13, 14 years old, somewhere in there. How been, old were you, Mike? A year or two older. A year, a year or, two or two older. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Also on that show, a main event that is also just about the top of everyone's list when it comes to worst SummerSlam main events. We will get into all of that. And even better than that, we've got a special guest. 
joining us, ready to weigh in on this wrestling atrocity. And of course, we'll have a promo about nothing and so much more. But before we get into all that, Brian, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Barry Dodinsky's Auction? Brian, you remember Barry Dodinsky? Uh, uh, is that from, uh, not Pawn Stars, what's uh, the other friggin' fake uh, A&E show? Let me just say no, it's not. No, it's not? All Barry right, Dodinsky uh. was the guy who shilled merchandise on WWF TV in the mid-90s. It's very appropriate since we're going to be talking about mid-90s WWF today on the show. He would come out in, like, in the middle of WWF superstars and shill t-shirts and... Shawn Michaels' heart sunglasses and stuff like that. You don't remember? I have no recollection of this, man. All right, let's get back to the read. <laughs> Barry Dodinsky's auction. And while I'm sure that the mayor of merchandise version of eBay would slay with the crowd who still play with pogs, BDA Radio really means the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news. They break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. So don't call 1-800-TITAN-91. They're sold out of Big Daddy Coolers anyway. Go to BDARadio.com. Okay. You're on fire, Mike. You're yes. on fire. Our special guest is ready to walk out the door, I think. <laughs> those people, those few people, like I, I bet Tony S., from the Check in the Boots podcast, Tony S., referee Tony S., I'm sure he loves Barry Dodinsky humor. You're a big fan of Barry Dodinsky. His name has been said more times in <laughs> the span of three minutes than it has been in decades. I feel I feel like maybe you have some sort of weird connection to the Dodinsky family. <laughs> I, I I wish I did. Maybe it's un I, Uncle, I get, Uncle Barry? <laughs> yeah, I get free smoking guns, big foam cowboy hats, if that were the case, but no. It is time to review... One of the greatest SummerSlams of all time, SummerSlam 1995. By greatest, I mean not so much. For this review, we are joined by the first two-timer in WPAN history, meaning he's the first guest to appear twice in the podcast. You heard his story in episode four, and he's back. He's a former wrestler. He's a former booker. He's a current very good friend of ours, Brian. He is... Matt Tarzan Taylor Spectro. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back, buddy. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Honor to be back. Thank you guys for, for having me. Yes. Did you, <laughs> did you, now, the big question is, did you enjoy your big sausage pizza? <laughs> I always enjoy a big sausage I, pizza. I feel, I feel like Todd Fatpan Sinclair is going to love that reference. <laughs> I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. We'll have to talk to him about it pretty soon. Okay. This whole thing with Tarzan here... Uh, came from an idea that I had way back when to do some sort of podcast with Tarzan where I forced him to watch Bad Wrestling and then had him rant about it. It was going to be called Tarzan Hates Wrestling, and <laughs> he would just watch wrestling and, and get mad, and that's what he does best. I mean, we would get together, Tarzan, myself, some of our pals, not you so much, Brian, we get together and watch. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, we get together and, and, we get together it, and watch. Invitation got lost in the mail, <laughs> I think. We'd watch bad wrestling, and at, at the beginning, we'd laugh and be a great time. And by the end, it was miserable. We would get upset, <laughs> angry. But 
I mean, I guess we'll see how we felt by the end of this night watching SummerSlam 95. Now, before we go on with this, we encourage you guys listening right now to go watch this event on the WWE Network as we did and then follow along with us. So if you're listening right now, hit pause, stop the podcast, go watch SummerSlam 95, then come back, join us. And uh, listen to the discussion. That will probably give you some more unique insight into the event that we just watched. SummerSlam 1995. Okay, fellas, it was live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, from the Igloo. And they said it was the largest crowd in the Pittsburgh Civic Arena history. It's amazing how WWE always manages to draw the largest crowd everywhere (laughs) they go, every single time. It's very strange. Yes, indeed. And uh, Vince McMahon... Jerry Lawler on commentary, and of course they threw it right back to Dean Douglas, a good <laughs> friend of uh, a good friend of the family, Brian Malone. Oh, Troy, right? yes. Troy. <laughs> Before we uh, get too much into this, I just want to let you know I I do remember Barry Dzinski. Thank you so very much. I knew you would, Tarzan. Oh, uh, what? Are you, I think he's trying to squeeze me out here and get himself in the uh, in the co-host chair. Yeah, he <laughs> sold the Shawn Michaels poster and the Shawn Michaels uh, sunglasses, if I recall. Yeah, he would always wear the ridiculous merchandise and look like a fool. <laughs> and my brother did actually own a foam smoking guns tablet. Yeah, he did. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so Dean Douglas is backstage. For this event, uh, SummerSlam 95, and he will be critiquing tonight's match, as we are told. And, of course, he ended his promo with a heel laugh. <laughs> we love great, greatest heel laugh, I think, in the, well... Second to DiBiase, second, at least. Yeah, Million Dollar Man, and then definitely Shane or Dean Douglas. <laughs> love a good heel laugh. I remember we called uh, for you to do a heel laugh one time in a promo in Chaotic Wrestling. <laughs> yes. I think that's the only part I got right of that promo. Yes. <laughs> it's right after you, you lost. And you, but you, you were very happy, apparently, and, and, and decided to laugh after you just lost to, I think, Chase Del Monte. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Make sure you do the big heel laugh. We need it. Oh, boy. You're killing me. All right. We're just starting. <laughs> okay. So I guess let's get into the show here. It started off with a hot opener, the one two three kid versus Hakushi. Just so you know, folks, your referee was Tim White for this match. He does this. Anybody gives a crap. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So so this match, they started up back and forth. They they did a bunch of, uh, as we like to call it, uh, indie applause breaks where they would go back and forth and then both end up in a a ready position. Before it was really a thing, too. Yes, yes. The indie applause breaks started in WWF. Who knew? I think this is bad because that match I actually thought was – decent and we're trying to review a bad pay-per-view and the first match we're talking about well yeah there isn't bad yeah i mean we mixed in some there's some good stuff in here i mean it's not all atrocities across the board what do you think kingpin i am with tarzan i enjoyed this match i thought it was a good match i I thought uh uh we we talked a little bit about hakushi and like i wondered like where he came from and like i don't really know hakushi's whole backstory i was very curious because i as a kid i actually really liked hakushi in wwe and he had to mention that. And I didn't do my research on that. Uh, at one point, he did a, a Bronco Buster to the One Two Three Kid long before the kid ever did it as X Pac or Six. So I was thinking, like, he probably stole that. So uh, later on, when Hakushi saw the X Pac doing it, do you think he was like, "Hey, that's my move"? What yeah, that's my. He stole my <laughs> shit. His whole repertoire is lifted. And, and I think this uh, first match is also where we noticed there is no give in this ring. Whatsoever. This is the old style WF. Brutal. Oh, rough. Looks so rough. Just no give, no movement, no, just just devastating. Yeah, so this was kind of an uncharacteristic match for the time, just 
these two guys, especially, I guess, Okushi was starting to go babyface, as we see la- saw later on in the show. Well, earlier, they- earlier in the day, he was upset by... By Barry Horowitz, he oh. certainly was on, on Action Zone on the USA <laughs> yes. Network. They uh, they did show that clip. It's um, weird that they have him wrestle that morning at 10 a.m. in I, a different building. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> he must be tired. He must have been tired by the end of the day. But so the finish was the kid went for his uh, spin wheel kick, and Akushi kind of caught him and drove him down like a powerbomb slash back suplex for the win. And uh, that was the opener, and we all thought it was a good match. Yeah, we liked it. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's funny. We're trying to. I think we're. I think we're watching this to bury it. <laughs> Damn it! The opening match just didn't cooperate with us. What was Doc Hendricks on tonight? Did you guys notice the the first time he appeared on screen was interviewing Mabel, and he was literally like, "Hey, hey, hey, what's going on there, Mabel? Hey, how you doing there?" He was literally. I don't know what they told well, how, him. How quick is this into like him being Doc Hendricks? Like, I don't know. Another thing, you make me look stupid. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, he didn't seem overly comfortable being like a backstage interviewer. And I, we I actually made the comment while we were watching, like, like just again, twenty something years later, baffled. Like, why the hell did WWE make Michael P. S. Hayes, Doc Hendricks, a backstage interviewer? Just mind blowing. Cut his hair off, had him grow a mustache. I'm more baffled why he ever had a job in pro wrestling because he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great personality, Tarzan. Come on, give him that. Come on, he invented entrance music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many people have, have invented entrance music, Tarzan? Uh, Roddy Piper, Sergeant Slaughter, Hulk Hogan, and Doc Hendricks would be the ones that come to mind for me. <laughs> There's got to be more than that. I'm sure Chris Jericho invented it at one point. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Doc Hendricks did this promo about Mabel, and the most significant thing that I took out of this was uh, King Mabel ended it with heel laugh number two. <laughs> <laughs> number two of the night. Two promos, two heel laughs. <laughs> you need it. You need Heel's got to laugh, man. Heel's got to laugh. <laughs> Match two, Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Bob Sparkplug Holly. Referee is Jack Doan. They come in. Uh, Triple H was undefeated. They said, and uh, Wait, who? Oh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Oh, okay. pr- pardon me there. So you know, this was Hunter Hearst Helmsley's original character. He was the snooty uh, Greenwich snob, if you will. What were your first impressions, Brian, of uh, Triple H of Helmsley when he came out <laughs> well, tonight, or when I was like a kid? Uh, both. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I hated his guts. I couldn't stand him. I, I guess he had this, guess he did a good job. Tonight, I think my first remark was, Jesus, he was in great shape, but Jesus, he was a lot bigger in the Attitude Era than he was at this particular juncture. Yeah, he definitely uh, was a little lighter. Yeah, lean, uh, <laughs> to the least. <laughs> in fact, I'd say Bob Holly was probably bigger than he was in the match. I think, I think that's a I fair so, yeah. yeah, I think it's a fair assessment there, definitely. And definitely with better hair. Well, who, who wins the hair argument with Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Bob Holly? I don't Bob know. Holly? That's quite an epic mullet. Yeah. You, you commented on, on Bob uh, Bob Holly's mullet. It was uh, quite fantastic. It was fantastic. And triple, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, he didn't have a valet. because I thought that was his old shtick. He always had a beautiful woman he brought to ringside. Yeah, the, I, I don't know if that happened. I think it whatever. happened a little later on. Wait, well, yeah. Here's what I'm I may have paid closer attention. Was he Bob Sparkplug Holly here or was he Thurman Sparky Plug? He was Bob he was Sparkplug Bob Holly. Holly. They already yeah. made the switch. Yes. So, yeah, the... Hunter Hearst Helmsley kind of like doing like chicken shit heel stuff. He uh, cut off Bob Holly with a stun gun. They showed a split screen during this match of the British Bulldog arriving to the building. Very Alex Arion like. 
What was the point of that? It didn't yeah, lead I mean, the Bulldog <laughs> didn't wrestle. It didn't wrestle. It didn't lead to anything. Why did I, that even happen? I think it's supposed to be Bulldog and Diesel down the line for the title, but I what expected... What was the point of showing them about the building? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought they were supposed to, like, Luger came out at the end. We'll get into the main event, and Luger came out. I think were Luger and Bulldog aligned at the time, I think. They were the and, allied powers, but the Bulldog had turned heel at that point, and... Yeah, I... I it's a weird stuff, so... It never led to anything. Was it a promo? Looks, he didn't do a run looks look something up. Why the hell was Bulldog... Uh, what was going on with Bulldog at this time? this crap? But he walked in the building, and uh, apparently he just went to catering, and... <laughs> Never hung out. Yeah, again. said hi to some friends. <laughs> and, uh... So the finish of this match was uh, Holly went for a backdrop, and Triple H came out, stopped, and grabbed him in the pedigree, uh, hit that pedigree for the win. Remained undefeated. He did remain. He is still undefeated in 1995. Hunter Hurst So then they showed this uh, thing I thought was a promo for the Russell Vessel, but it was just they showed like. A local Pittsburgh promotional appearance on a oh the tug of war there. yeah on a cruise ship for SummerSlam so that was kind and of the mayor was there too talking to Bam Bam Bigelow <laughs> yeah who also was not on the pay per view Bam- Bam- nope not nope, on the pay per view not here as well <laughs> well at least he got a payday out of it looks like uh, okay so next was Jacob and Eli Blue Ugh. with Uncle Zebekiah versus the Smoking uh, Guns no, so there's a weird like because they they cut away to that and they come back to to the ring and like the Blue Brothers are already like sort of in the ring. Right. And I can't tell. And maybe somebody out there can tweet at us and knows this. At the WPAN on Yes, Twitter? at the WPAN. But I can't figure out if they edited out the entrance for the Smoking Guns or if the Smoking Guns were awkwardly standing in the ring and they turned on the lights and just played their music so they could, you know, whoop it up while they were already in the ring. Yeah, I must. I glanced, probably glanced down at my computer screen for a second, didn't notice. But yeah, as soon as I looked up, they were already in the ring. Yeah, and, and I don't like I said, I don't know if they perhaps did their entrance during the um, Wrestle Festival, d- whatever yeah, it is. D- during the spot they played, <laughs> yes. and then they just awkwardly Bruce played Cruz. their played their music for them to like kind of you know do There's their thing before the edit, match. But I'm not sure if it was an edit. Where yeah, they edit yeah. the ring entrance. So I would like I would if somebody out there knows this or has the original. DVD or, or, or a Coliseum Home video of it, take a look at it. Let us I'm know. I'm sure if people at Titan Towers are listening and you know the, the editor of this... Uh... Hey, Vince, let us know, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your brother can ask his good, close, personal friend... Oh, that's right. Dean Douglas, <laughs> if he what knows. was going on with that. <laughs> we'll have to find out he's, later. He's listening to this right now while we record it. He's so pissed off over there. <laughs> so, Tarzan, what was your take on Jacob and Eli Blue? It's just weird. These guys are wrestling in trunks, but they had like muscle shirts on. Like, seemed I, weird. No, they were Appalachian type shirts. <laughs> they were they were like made of uh, burlap or the same thing they make moccasins out of, whatever that material is. And and nothing against anybody in the match, but I'm just watching it, thinking like, why would anyone care about? Either tag team, like it didn't seem to be a whole bunch of build up to any of these <laughs> matches. They just seemed like a bunch of now. Now in every pay per view, every match is a story. It didn't seem like there's a story behind any of these matches. It was just, well, this is going to be the match yeah, at SummerSlam. Was, no, was there even there was no tag title match on the entire show? So I don't even know. The tag champions. Look it up, Brian. Look it up. That to me, that was just the thing that stuck out. Like, why would anyone care about the smoking guns or? The blue, the blue brothers. Uh, yeah, the uh, brothers blue. The bro- they they were just called Jacob and Eli blue. So one thing I noticed in this match is like they did like old school tag team spots that for some reason WWE has 
banned and they never do any more like a false tag, like, you know, doing stuff behind the referee's back, cutting the ring in half. It just, some of the stuff just doesn't seem to happen on, in tag matches these days. Like they must think like, oh, that's old school Southern wrestling shit. Don't do that stuff. Like don't do a false tag. It's, it works. I, I, people don't really wrestle like heels anymore. That's uh so I can see what you're trying to say. It's, yeah, that's. I mean, it's just snow. Now they're a heel because they don't deserve the push they're getting. <laughs> In case you're wondering, Owen Hart and Yokozuna appeared to be the WWF Tag Team Champions at this juncture. Neither of which were on. Neither of which were on show. this on this show. Well, Yokozuna's a double D double wide casket <laughs> made an appearance, but not Yokozuna himself. But uh, okay, this match. We're jumping ahead. Yes, we are jumping ahead. So the guns hit the sidewinder for the win. All right. And that was it. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Sidewinder. Okay, so from there it was Skip and Sonny, the Body Donnas, or just Skip actually, oh wrestling God. this match. <laughs> what? What's wrong with Skip and Sonny? You know, it, it kind of, and here we are, we're, we're recording this in present day 2016, where there is a awful sex tape out uh, that Sonny has produced, and it, 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 we commented on it's very sad. And then we watch 1995, and you see Sunny, like in her prime, fresh like, faced, and good yeah. lord, good lord, I'm gonna get in trouble over here. <laughs> so, t- Tarzan, why why are you miserable? What uh, happened? I mean, okay, who thought it was a hey? Let's give Sunny the microphone and have her introduce Skip on the way to the ring. Like, am I supposed to believe they hired her for her? Her, like, she, promo skills. Is she that body? She can do whatever she damn well pleases. <laughs> and really, Skip. That's it. No last name. Just Skip. Yeah. <laughs> or Skip Buddy Donna. His last name is Body Donna, I think. Skip Donna. Yeah. Skip Donna. What is a Body Donna? You tell me. I, I don't know. Oh, all he right. loses to Barry Horowitz. <laughs> spoiler. Talk- spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> that's what we kind of <laughs> talked about here was who in Titan Towers was like, you know what? This Barry Horowitz character has been doing jobs for us for uh, the better part of a decade. I see money in this guy. Let's exploit his Jewish heritage <laughs> yeah. in a very in a very strange and somewhat uncomfortable way. And, and like, what was the thought process? Well, he's, he's Jewish. People will cheer him. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> the picture of him for the match graphic was awesome because he looked like your your sixth grade math teacher, you know, <laughs> except for the dude had like a mullet. And it wasn't. Particularly good match to boot. Well, Sunny threw in the towel at one point. And it seemed like they were throwing her out of the arena, but she didn't leave. No. Almost immediately did a trip spot, like, a couple minutes later. Yeah, apparently at this time there was something with Vince referenced to Peter McNeely after that spot. So there's there was some sort of ah. Peter McNeely... Mike Tyson reference. WWE is always always so topical. They're on the cutting edge. And then Skip decided he wanted to whip himself against the ropes at one point for, <laughs> for, for no particular reason. He sure did. I that just, was for the cutoff spot. I, and I just can't emphasize it. I, I don't want to harp on it, but seriously, why did they give her a microphone? You didn't think she was a good promo? No, she's terrible. I thought she for for like the win at that time. I thought she was a great promo. Oh, come. On. I never heard a I never heard a word she said. Oh, <laughs> nice bum, where you from? <laughs> All right, let's let's move on before you get the. Uh, Whew, it's getting hot in here, boys. There, only... it's getting hot in here. <laughs> let's talk about uh, Barry Horowitz's trunks. Did anyone notice? It's almost like a bikini cut. 
<laughs> you saw a little too much cheek. Here we are going on about twenty-year-old Sonny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's talking about Barry Horowitz. I'm talking about that lovely thong of <laughs> <laughs> Sonny's butt. <laughs> Here's Mike. Did you know this Barry Horowitz's butt? He's I'm trying to get not cut, that there's uh, anything wrong with no, that. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> My father's gay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to give equal time here, guys. Come on. Something for the ladies. You might have some Something female fans out there. Yeah, exactly. Good poor, point. Something for the Jewish ladies. <laughs> poor, poor Mr. Crockett's just been outed by his son. <laughs> Ironic, because I hear... Ah, forget it. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> this might be... I think this is a PG podcast. So it's going nowhere good. Yeah. <laughs> so as we're talking about Hakushi, uh, at one point, Sonny shakes the ropes when uh, Barry Horowitz is going to the top, and skips superplexes Barry Horowitz off, and then Hakushi comes out. So, as you mentioned, he, uh, Hakushi lost a match on Action Zone earlier in the day against Barry Horowitz. So, Hakushi went to the top and flipped over both Skip and Barry Horowitz and went to the floor. And that caused a distraction for Skip and Horowitz small package Skip and got the victory. This did not make Dean Douglas very happy. No, it did no, not. No, it did not. No, it did not. As we went backstage to Dean Douglas after this match, he said, Definition! <laughs> Vivify. <laughs> and he says Barry Horowitz was vivified by the distraction to score the win. Can't imagine why that Dean Douglas character didn't get over. <laughs> Everybody hates a school teacher. Well, the thing I was most offended by was he gave the ref an F. I didn't like that one bit. Well, I'd always give the ref an F, especially if it's you. And he gave Barry Horowitz an S for slacker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His son's a slacker, too. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, Pat McGill interviewed Shawn Michaels, and uh, I was getting pizza at this time from uh, Paisanos. What kind of pizza? From pa- Paisanos. Oh, know. big sausage pizza. I'm sorry. <laughs> big sausage pizza. I loved every second of it. So uh, I missed that promo. Uh, how was it? It's all right. It's <laughs> good. If you say anything memorable, I don't remember. No, so no. It was, actually, this was kind of like the night of like not good promos. No, like, poorly filmed. Uh, and except for Sonny's. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, well, let's it's move like on. The precursor to Sammy Lane on NECW TV. Oh, cheapers! I thought you were trying to get a job in NECW. <laughs> Cut that stuff out. Come on. Okay, Mike might be cutting this part out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, from here we go to the WWF Women's Title Match: Bertha Faye <laughs> with Harvey Wilpelman. Versus the champion Alundra Blaze. God, that Bertha Faye. Oh my god! As Vince says. Big Bertha Faye. <laughs> it's Vince McMahon's line. Uh, yeah, this Bertha Faye, she was like a monster heel in Japan, uh, known as Monster Ripper. And they brought her into WWF. I remember her first appearance, she was had like the face paint and was dressed up as this Monster Ripper character. But then I guess they decided, hey, she's big and fat. Let's make fun of her. Right, Brian? There you go. That's, a, that's the WWF way. <laughs> she should have danced. <laughs> I'm, and she, I'm sure she did dance. She like saunt- sashayed around that ring. Hey. All the right places. <laughs> Do you guys have a thing where people can make comments on your podcast? Yeah, right. they can comment uh, on Twitter at the WPAN, on Facebook, facebook.com slash the WPAN. All right, because I would just, a question for the male viewers. Jimmy Malone has turned to me during this match and said, would you have coitus with Bertha Faye? <laughs> And I said I would. <laughs> so I'm just curious if any of the male viewers out there would also have coitus with Bertha Faye. I appreciate you cleaning that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just curious, like, you know, what's who have you said that you wouldn't 
have quite a swing. Yes. <laughs> because it's a very wide range of <laughs> all shapes and sizes. Again, not there's anything wrong with that. Nothing, right, moving on. <laughs> how was the ma- how was Alundra Blaze versus Bertha? Well, Fett? I think Alundra Blaze got the most elaborate uh, entrance of the night. She yeah got the uh, the fireworks. Uh, her name spelled out in sparklers and such. She's wearing Seth Rollins' uh, white wrestling gear. <laughs> yes. Well, th- at this point, they were trying to present at least Alundra Blaze as a legitimate wrestler. I mean, definitely, you know, that went out of the window when it came to Bertha Fay. But they were trying to present Alundra as a wrestler and Alundra Blaze, also known as Medusa, hit probably just like 50 moves in a row, just kind of willy-nilly. Took her off her feet like like 12 <laughs> times in the beginning of the match. Like, Yeah, it was just like kind of a... It sucked. The match sucked. It was <laughs> bad. It was really bad, yeah. And she went for a number of missile drop kicks, Alundra Blaze. Mm. Uh, hit one, hit a second, and then missed the third, and then Bertha grabbed her and hit her a sit-out powerbomb. Which she kicked out at two on. Yes, uh, Medusa kicked out, but the ref counted three anyway. and awarded the title. There's some sort of screw job here? Maybe we should have done some research. I would like to point out <laughs> yes. when it happened, and I quote, Jerry Lawler said it was the greatest title victory in SummerSlam history. I can buy that. History. <laughs> well, I'd have to go back and take a look. I mean, has a title really ever, have well, any titles ever really well, changed uh, hands at SummerSlam? Yeah, Ultimate Warrior beat the Honky Tonk Man in 31 seconds. Oh, that wasn't that great. <laughs> Bret Hart beat Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam at that yeah, point. That Baby was... Boy Smith had beaten Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam. Oh, that's, that was okay. Um, I'm not sure if the heavyweight title had ever switched at that point at SummerSlam. I don't think that had happened. Well, the, those all pale in comparison. Hart Foundation beat Demolition for the Tag Team Championship. I... Yet, Bertha Faye... Defeating Alundra Blaze is the, according to Jerry Lawler, the greatest title victory in SummerSlam history. Yeah, I'm not quite hearing anything at that level, all these things that you're <laughs> listing out. And Bertha Faye kind of comes to the top on my list when you really think about it. Did she ever have another match? I mean, I don't remember another match with Bertha Faye after that. Oh, well, she probably lost it back to Alundra Well, Blaze. she lost the, yeah, she lost the, uh, <laughs> I was doing a little research here. She lost it 57 days later on an episode of Raw. <laughs> And then shortly thereafter, asked for her release from the company. And she said she had a slim, fast waist, if I'm not mistaken. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Bertha Faye is a beautiful woman. <laughs> and Harvey, Harvey Wolfman says, look, but don't Excuse touch. Excuse me, was a beautiful woman. I didn't and realize Bertha, was, God, God rest her soul. I didn't realize Bertha Faye passed away. She did pass away. With his only appearance of the night, interviewed by Jim Ross after the match. Yes, and Jim Ross had to say, I'm a happily married man when <laughs> Harvey tried to uh, insinuate that uh, he was given eyes to Bertha Faye. Really just bad. Why did that even happen? Like, why? The woman's revolution. <laughs> Bertha Stephanie Faye McMahon. was the start of the uh, woman's revolution. Yes. Okay, let's go to the casket match. We uh, alluded to this. The double wide, double deep casket that was out there. I like as, double uh, deep things, man. Oh, my God. Hey-o. As the supreme fighting machine, Kama, with Ted DiBiase, faced The Undertaker with Paul Bear. Finally, a match with a story behind it. Kama stole The Undertaker's urn and melted it down into, into, cold into chains. Chain. Yes. Story yeah. being it pays to be The Undertaker's friend. Oh, that's what I, that's <laughs> what I hear anyway. That's what I hear. <laughs> well, before the match even started, they had a, a, a video package. And the quote that I got out of it was that Kama 
blackened The Undertaker's darkest cloud <laughs> when he attacked the creatures of the night. I don't know what the hell that means. But so that's basically the what quote. they're saying is that Kama beat the shit out of a fan yes. of The Undertaker. And that's and that something... <laughs> That was one. That was the last straw, right there. Not 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 taking the most prized possession of, of the Undertaker, the urn in which he gains power, gains power from, but beating up uh, a gothic fan who likes to come beating to the show. up a, an extra from a, a local indie wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just for the record, comma Godfather, whatever you call him, sucks. Oh. Sucks beyond belief. Terrible. <laughs> Probably worst inducting the Hall of Fame ever. <laughs> wow. So at one point, they started doing spots on top of the casket. I thought it was literally going to cave in. I mean, it looks like plywood. I don't know how thick the plywood was, but the... the recycled at, the, at this point, like been used before. This Yeah, so prop. they're both standing on it, like doing spots, and the referees are kind of ho- trying to hold it still, and they're moving around and jumping. They, like, and both standing on it at one yeah. point? Where were you? It fell, it fell apart <laughs> later on when they were like in the casket, like a piece of it yeah, it came, like, like, came undone. And they had a, a casket cam, if I remember correctly. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And, and not long after this, they did a long like chin lock for five minutes, which I thought was very awkward in this casket match. Yeah, this match was not good it, at all in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, even by casket bad. match standards, was you know fairly bad. Yeah, at one point, uh, Undertaker clothesline come over the top, but they both went over, kind of like the old Cactus Jack spot. They both went over the top rope and fell into the casket. The lid closed, and the referee's like, what the hell's going on? So Kama started crawling out, and I guess, you know, if Kama got all the way out, and Undertaker was still in it, and the lid was closed, Kama would win. So Kama was all the way out, except for one foot, and then Undertaker grabbed it, pulled him back. They started fighting back and forth, standing up inside the casket, and both ended up getting back in the ring, and then Kama hit a swinging neckbreaker. What else are you going to hit? <laughs> <laughs> he is a supreme fighting machine. <laughs> did you see the strikes he was throwing? I, I did. Yeah, they were very powerful. Well, they're very supreme. And what was the finish, Michael? Well, before we get to the finish, I just want to talk. At this point, you guys started talking about beards. And uh, <laughs> Malonis, you recently shaved your, your beard off. And you asked, they were talking about your chin. And uh, Malonis, you asked, what's, what's wrong with my chin? And Tarzan <laughs> says, I said, which chin? <laughs> That's, I, I wrote that down. All yeah. this, all you do, you're going to bury me? Take the opportunity in this match to bury me? Could, what, a couple just, of old, decrepit pieces of shit burying me. Couldn't have left that off the podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get the ambiance of the room as well as what's going I'm on. trying to like create a, a mental image like you're actually there. <laughs> yes, exactly. I want everyone to join in with us. Yeah, yes, no, people. That if if you're friends in this group, we don't sound like friends at all. We just shit all over each other's <laughs> lives. <laughs> I'll go on record saying you have a very strong looking chin. Thank you, Tarzan. I appreciate. I don't that. know who like Crockett's talking about. <laughs> all right. I, well, not unlike comments from my wife saying how fat my face looked after I shaved <laughs> oh, my goatee. Oh, brother. Okay. We already yeah. have uh, one fat face in wrestling. There can only be one, right? There can only be one. All right, so there's a choke slam and tombstone, and then Kama was rolled into the casket, and the lid was closed. So God, Undertaker came out on top. He didn't get the chain back, though. He didn't. I don't think so. Uh, Okay, Isaac Yankum, DDS. I'm sorry, it's not. It's not Yankum. What's what? Yankum. Come on. Oh, they said the pronunciation on the on the pay per view. You're uh, pronouncing it wrong. What, what's the correct pronunciation? It was like Yankum. Yankum. 
DDS. Yes. Okay, you I got to yank them. Yank them. Okay. So they showed some of the Isaac Yankin vignettes. Uh, I believe there was a heel laugh in there. When there, I was there, saying, there had to have been. There was a heel laugh. There had to have been. Yeah, when he, they had the blurred out bloody tooth and his yes, pliers or whatever. Uh, so this is after the Bret Hart, Jerry Lawler, kiss my foot match. And Lawler was trying to fix his mouth and went to his dentist. And his dentist apparently happens to be a six foot ten wrestler. With bad so, teeth. Lucky him. And uh, so he's from Decatur, Illinois. Get it? Oh, sure is. Jesus. Decatur? Oh, my. Get it? And uh, in the promo beforehand, Bret Hart said, uh, Isaac Yankum, you big tooth fairy. <laughs> Quite a promo by Bret the Hitman Hart here. Quite a promo. Now, I'm in an unfortunate position because they always make me defend Bret Hart. <laughs> but this promo was awful. <laughs> he said, I don't care if you're a dentist. Right. That's... <laughs> What, what does that even mean? He's, he's a wrestler. He's not a dentist. When she's stepping in that ring, he's not, who cares if he's a dentist, right? I just want to say, Bret Hart is so bad that even a great character, like a, like a wrestling dentist, couldn't get over working a program with, with this <laughs> schlub. Right, normally, I'm going to play along with your joke, but seriously, he's a fucking dentist. Like, Who thought that idea was any good? And the funny about this, I thought this was like one pay-per-view and he was gone, but... I was reading, Isaac Yankin was around for like nine months. Yeah. He had a, a cage match on Raw, apparently. No, I, I, I remember him being around yeah, for, for quite some the time. the Royal Rumble that year, too, wasn't he? Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, the following year, yeah. So that was absolutely, I, I was blown away by Great that. Great ring music, too. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> just, just drills. <laughs> Awful. Seriously, though, who the said, hey, I got this great <laughs> idea. We'll have a, a dent, an evil dentist. Seriously, like I don't understand. It's, it's amazing that that he ultimately went on to have one of the most successful runs in WWE history, considering uh, what Kane was originally saddled with, and then the fake Diesel. It just shows that WWE must have had a lot of faith in Glenn Jacobs, in Glenn Jacobs <laughs> the man who plays Kane, uh, because you, you, sometimes you get a second chance, but rarely do guys get a third character to try to get over. Brian? So, Brian, what? He's tall. <laughs> this is true. Well, Tarzan would have kept Excellent looking at him. Excellent point. I, I, he would have been my champion. Seriously, you should guys do a podcast sometime about like some of their worst ideas. and Imagine like from conception to pitch to execution how these things. Actually, I was listening to the Book in the Territory podcast that you were yeah, on, the first, Brian. The five worst gimmicks. And they talked about the five worst gimmicks. And most of them like from the mid-90s, from this period, like, you know, the... T.L. Hoppers, your um, goon, everybody had a job goon, outside yeah. of just yeah. being a wrestler. They had a job, yeah, like the, garbage man, hockey yeah. player, dentist, Duke Drosy, plumber. That's how it was. But Bret Hart, race car driver, he's just a wrestler, fellas. He sure and is, and a hitman and apparently. He kills people in the side. Hitman. The jacket, Bret Hart's jacket, was very conspicuous by its absence. <laughs> it certainly was. So at this point in the uh, evening. Tarzan made your son cry, Brian? <laughs> he sure did. My lord. Sure did. Hysterical, too. <laughs> yeah, the Tarzan grabbed the... To be fair, it was, not, it was not Tarzan that was making my son cry. It was having to watch a Bret Hart match. Oh. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so, uh, a Jerry Lawler joke just for you guys. He says, uh, I heard Stu goes to the dentist twice a year. One for each tooth. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> hey, let's not forget to throw that That's one. That's not in even there. a good Stu Hart joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had way better Stu Hart jokes. When Kane, does, uh, Isaac Yankum did like a, he did like a leg drop off the rope. 
Yes, from the top rope where Bret Hart laid over the top rope. <laughs> it was like so unlike the guy and I've he, seen in the last 20 he years. He was so like, you could tell like he just was very uneasy going to the top rope and doing this because he was like holding on to the top rope. And w- before he like even like completely released his hand from the rope, he just made like the jump. Just, just Very really similar, cool. Brian, to one of your trainers. Duke Stalton would do, would do that <laughs> same move, but he did a forward flip. Goodness. To the uh, leg Ooh. drop. Who yes. knew? Yeah, a, yeah. You have to go back and check out your uh, NWA New England tapes. Duke Stalin or Kid Delicious? <laughs> uh, a little both. He's a, little a local both, legend. Do you think back then that Kane or Glenn Jacobs or what, Isaac Gankum was Brian Fury's favorite wrestler back then? Even I'm sure of it. Yeah, well, he, he knew big things were coming. The first time he ever laid eyes on Isaac <laughs> Gankum, he knew big things were coming for that guy. <laughs> Near the end, Brett pulled him by the legs against the post and tied his ankles up with the uh, camera cables. Oh, cheating piece of crap. <laughs> Yeah, and then Jerry Lawler came in the ring, and Brett went after him. Uh, Yankum uh, jumped from the top rope with a double sledge to the floor, and then Lawler tripped Brett up, and then they hung him in the ropes by his neck. They were literally trying to murder him. That was an attempted murder. And that was the disqualification right there once uh, Jerry Lawler got involved in hanging him in the ropes by his neck. Who knew? Attempted murder, automatic disqualification. (laughs) Automatic (laughs) disqualification. So that was that match. Disqualification, uh, Bret Hart gets the win. So from there, um, it was the second ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, the first one being, of course, at WrestleMania 10, uh, some year and a half prior. Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels, the Intercontinental Champion. And Doc Hendricks joined Vince at ringside as Jerry Lawler had Hold left. on, Michael. Hold on. Unfortunately. We've, uh, we've lost the playboy. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I hear some, the docile tones. Yeah, that's, <laughs> the Playboy has left the building. <laughs> At least there's a realm of consciousness. <laughs> so uh, 1990s Shawn Michaels was in full effect in this match. Oh, yeah, including the uh, the, the obligatory... Temper tantrum. And all that and, and pants pulled down uh, halfway through the match somewhere. Yeah, so... Uh, at the very beginning, the Intercontinental title gets put in the, the <laughs> ring and, you know, the, that ring that's hanging from the ceiling and it starts to go upwards. But for some reason, Sean didn't like the way it was hanging, so he called for it to come back down. A ref came in to help and he kind of pushed the ref aside and he fixed the belt himself and then gave her the old high sign, throw it back up there <laughs> and let's start the match. So Brett, uh, Brett. so Sean was, uh, you know... In full, full yeah, in full Sean mode for this match, and we'll uh, get into more of that a little later on. I will say this was probably the, the best match of the show. Uh, yeah, it I, definitely was. I, uh, there was some uh, little goof up near the end, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, these guys do. I mean, at this particular juncture, this being only the second one, you know, on WWE televised WWE television, you know. Pretty freaking innovative stuff here, yeah. like for the for this particular juncture. Crazy stuff. Like some of it looked really, really scary. Like the suplex to the outside, <laughs> Shawn, like Shawn Michaels took, or the one where Shawn uh, fell off the ladder and got his leg caught as yes. the ladder crumbled down, and that kind of set up. I guess uh, must have been a planned spot. I guess because they uh, Razor went to work on the leg for most of the match after that. I'm not quite sure if that was the planned spot, but that's and what ended up happening. It looked devastating. Yeah, and uh, it didn't look on purpose. Another um, non sequitur was uh, Sid looking on, watching this match. Apparently, it was leading to Sid facing the winner of uh, that match. Yes, and so Sid was looking on just like 
At least we get the point, though, and like the bull talk thing. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were on at this arena that didn't work the show. Yes. Yeah, like, why do you have Bertha Faye working, but you have the British Bulldog, you have Lex Luger, you have um, Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and Sid, all not booked in the show, but Ber- this, this being Barry the Horowitz second biggest pay-per-view. and Bertha Faye are both booked. What, are you saying you want an intergender match with Alundra Blaze versus one of those people instead of Bertha Faye? No, I was saying don't put Alundra Blaze and Barry Horowitz on SummerSlam when you have that locker room not working the show. You like intergender matches, though, right? I can't stand intergender matches. Okay. It's terrible. I'm just checking. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at this point in the night, uh, Brian and Tarzan were rebooking all of New England. Uh, just, just <laughs> 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 so you, you might have uh, glanced away from the from the pay per view for a moment to just decide that you, you've uh, observation. That's all. Yes, right. observation. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Sean hit a moonsault off the ladder. He missed a splash off the ladder. Uh, they attempted to do a double crotch spot off the ladder. Razor kind of missed uh, crotching Seems himself. Like destroyed himself. <laughs> yes. Sean climbed up the ladder. Razor grabbed him off and hit the Razor's edge. So there were two ladders set up at this point. Sean super kicked Razor off the other ladder and then jumped up for the belt and missed it. Then Razor attempted the Razor's edge again. It was backdrop to the floor. Sean goes up. Jumps and grabs that belt with everything he has and pulls, but it slips out of his fingers <laughs> and he falls down. And temper tantrum number two takes place, and Sean throws the other ladder out of the way, <laughs> stomps up the first ladder, grabs the Intercontinental Championship, and he is still your Intercontinental Champion in 1995. Got his win back. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> and then, of course, after the match, Razor got in the ring and handed him the Intercontinental Championship, and uh, there was a handshake and a hug and all that the click. good yeah. stuff. And uh, from there, we went back to Dean Douglas in the in the uh, his private classroom, his classroom, I suppose. Yes, and the definition was bad. The literal definition, not the slang version, the, literal. Not the slang version, the proper version. So he's saying Razor Ramon was just the bad guy. He's bad. And, uh, of course, we got a heel laugh in there. <laughs> of course. One of the best, as according to Tarzan. And uh, Razor came in and confronted Dean Douglas and said that Mr. Douglas was all bluff and no stuff. <laughs> so Dean attempted to attack him from behind, but Razor blocked his punch and dropped right. Dean Douglas on the mat. And this would set up for Dean Douglas to have an exciting Intercontinental Championship win. Right? Yes. <laughs> he did the... What was it Mix Man called him? The Coffee Break Intercontinental Champion or something <laughs> like that? Yes, it, was, it wasn't the most uh, successful run in, in WWF for uh, one Dean Douglas. This one really, really got under my skin. Like this, this, uh, You wasted three segments on this heel. I assumed to get heat or whatever. And then when the babyface confronts him, I mean, I'm not a booking expert, but wouldn't you have the heel get over on him at that point to actually build some excitement for their match? Nobody scratched the chalkboard afterwards. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he did get his heat sound, back. Sound, sound effect included. Bayface face gets over on him, but nails in the chalkboard, gets his heat back, I guess is the logic. You have to get your heat back from the chalkboard. And I bet you people all over the country said, man, now i got to buy a ticket to that chalkboard. Did you see that jerk <laughs> scratch the chalkboard? <laughs> okay, let's move on. To the main event, the du- main event of the <laughs> the WWF Championship match, King Mabel versus Big Daddy Cool Diesel, who is your WWF champion at the time. Your referee is Earl Hebner, of course. And uh, Diesel before the match said he's going to get medieval on you. I'm going to get medieval. And he did the walk off. 
He did. He you did. love a good walk-off. You love a walk-off after <laughs> someone finishes a promo, right? Okay, horrible. Horrible. I mean, well, the promo sucked anyway, so... Uh, well, he was walking off to the ring. <laughs> no, garbage. <laughs> then you get to see the terrible how, you know, it looks like they're in, you know, a production, and then you go to the side, and you look like it's just a, you know, what do you call those, periphenin? Per- what are those things? Peripheral? No, those things you, uh, you like, put up a wall. Partition? Like, yes, you can tell it's just a shitty partition. And, and it looks like a cheap friggin' operation. Not the biggest wrestling company in the world. How about, how about the fellas carrying uh, Mabel down to oh. the ring? <laughs> they are earning their money. Earning the cash <laughs> on this night. And uh, Mabel, before the match, does a spot I always hate as a ref, where he grabs the championship out of the ref's hand and holds it up. I always hate that back spot. Back a little bit, Diesel for some, mentioned the British Bulldog in his promo to... Which made you think maybe that he would somehow come the British Bulldog was going to be involved. But this is just a precursor to something else happens that I don't want to get too yes, quite yet. Yes. So but that uh, should be duly mentioned that he did mention the British Bulldog in his promo. Yes. And at this point, Tarzan, you did ask if they reinforced the ring for this one. <laughs> and I mean, I, they have to. But they probably did. I mean, Gorilla Monsoon, as you mentioned, I think was the you interim said, president. The interim president. I was hoping the ring's been reinforced. I, I would think so at this point, especially with the uh, the poundage, I mean, the pure poundage in the ring. What is Mabel, like 300 and something? Oh, he's 500 <laughs> easy. Come on. <laughs> so he did say at one point Mabel screamed out, I'm going to be the first black champion, which <laughs> wasn't right. really pushed in terms of Ever. the story. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess it would be true. So, nothing to back up a little bit. He's the king of the ring, King Mabel. He had won the king of the ring. Complete with Sir Mo, who Mike didn't see for two-thirds of the match. Yes, I didn't realize that Sermo was there. Got very angry and yelled at us. <laughs> He's not down there. Another thing. The show is not... It's bad for so many reasons. Here's another reason it's terrible. Okay. Obviously, they had some idea King Mabel was going to wrestle Kevin Nash, Diesel, at SummerSlam for the championship. Who does he beat in the King of the Ring finals? Savio Vega? <laughs> Savio Vega. Like, who gives a shit? Oh, he beat Savio Vega. Obviously, he's going to beat Kevin Nash. Well, we should go back and watch King of the Ring in 1995. <laughs> Sounds like a winner to me. Isn't that the one where Shawn Michaels and Undertaker were in a double count out or something like that? I like it. Sounds good. <laughs> point I'm just trying to make is, did anyone give a shit? Did anyone think Mabel was going to win the match? I, I had a good feeling about him. <laughs> I had a good feeling. I mean, I was just a dumb kid. I may have at the time. <laughs> I don't even know. At one point here, the turnbuckle pad was suddenly missing from one of the corners, which never played into the match. Yeah, they never came yeah. back into play. And so I don't know why they got a shot of it on the camera, if it was like a mistake or whatever, but it was just gone for no particular reason. Um, I think they did a. I think the second half, the heat, I think they did like. I thought they were working Diesel's lower backs, and I believe Mabel like rammed him into it at one point. Did I miss that? Did you say I, I must have missed it too because <laughs> yeah, because he did. I felt like that played no like no role in this match. Well, Mabel did drop his full weight onto Diesel's Ooh. lower back at one point, and that didn't look uh, very comfortable. Yeah, the match kind of came to a screeching halt. Yes, at that point, thankfully, because then we got Jimmy Malonis to fill us in on the real story of what was <laughs> happening there, which he got from his good personal friend. What was the story? Troy Douglas. That supposedly Mabel almost got fired for doing that move to uh, to Diesel at that particular juncture. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a listener out there that knows 
I have the story. Heard, Tweet at the WPAN. I have seen a shoot interview where Kevin Nash does talk about that happening. So, uh, well, also at this point, uh, Malone just realizes that uh, Doc Hendricks is on commentary. <laughs> even though he's been didn't there. even know who's out there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he came out there in the ladder match. I was and- trying to forget he was on commentary. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> What's your, what are you got against Michael Hayes? Oh my God! He's awful, terrible, sucks. Oh. <laughs> Big deal in some regional promotion back in the 80s, and uh, I'm supposed to think the guy's a big deal. <laughs> regional promotion. All right, so uh, at one point, Mabel ran towards the ropes, and for no reason, kind of runs through Earl Hebner, who Earl Hebner took a bump out to the floor. If I may, earlier yes. in the match, you forgot to mention that Kevin Nash did a house show dive. He did. Almost got his legs hung <laughs> up on the top rope and spiked himself. <laughs> he did a house show dive. I was. Hey, uh, it's a main event. <laughs> got to pull out all the stops. <laughs> you got to bring it. <laughs> you had to bring it. So at this point, once uh, Hebner goes to the floor, Sir Mo came in, and then Lex Luger comes out wearing his uh, Stars and Stripes T-shirt, and Diesel clotheslines into the floor, which I think Luger's a baby face. He's wearing the red, white, and blue. <laughs> not sure why I don't Diesel. Know, maybe it ties into the bulldog thing. I don't know. <laughs> After which he then, if I'm not mistaken, go attacks Mo. Mo. Yeah, L- Luger <laughs> comes brawl, back. Yeah, and they brawl out Mo. of the arena. <laughs> Was that supposed to happen? I don't know. Look it up. They, they, they brawled out of the arena. Tarzan, did you book that? <laughs> Check the dirt sheets on it. It's just weird because he's debating. It appears like he's making a save, but then Diesel clotheslines. It's not and, even then, like, and then he doesn't even take exception to Diesel clothesline. No, it doesn't even care. It's not even like it was an accidental. It was like deliberate. Like, yes. Yeah, so- he didn't like, you know, Mo didn't duck and he hit him accidentally. Like, yeah, no. He immediately just clotheslined him out of the ring. So this is a goddamn mess. Uh, <laughs> it was a fitting end to a terrible pay-per-view. Yeah, so uh, Mabel uh, hit a belly-to-belly, and the ref was crawled back in, and there's a long two-count, and Diesel kicks out the last second. Mabel misses a second rope splash, then Diesel hits a second he rope. flew into the air. <laughs> Grace, the greatest of ease. Or plopped. Uh, <laughs> Diesel hit a, like a shoulder tackle or kind of a forearm to the face from the second rope. And Hebner did the world's longest three count. It was one, two, uh, three for the win. And Diesel is still your WWF champion, and he is the leader of the new WWF generation. Talk about just a completely overbooked like, cluster of a of a match. Wait, I think that? maybe they they considered the two guys involved in the main event, and they said we need some we need some fireworks here. Did the ref bump <laughs> even lead to anything? Like it even led to the whole, thing with the whole Luger coming in spot. And Luger and that whole who's he what. It's so. just weird. Bad, I guess would be the word I was thinking. You know why Kevin Nast did a suicide dive? No clue. He got paid more than $25. <laughs> oh, boy. Inside stuff. Just a shade more than $25. <laughs> Inside stuff here. Uh, Man, this pay-per-view sucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys were all, at the beginning of this, you guys were, it's just well, like there was, some, like, there was a couple good matches in there. but It, was, it wasn't like horrible top to bottom like I expected when we started, but it was pretty bad. And even the matches that were good, it's like, I mean, I, I, Triple H beating Bob Holly leading to anything did... X-Pac and Hakushi match lead anything? And that's the only time I can remember Hakushi ever winning a match, to be honest with you. Well, he lost earlier in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was worn out. <laughs> so, yeah, that was SummerSlam 1995. So, you guys, uh, thumbs down? Yeah, I'd say a pretty yeah, big thumbs down. I, I mean, it wasn't even, like, bad in an entertaining way for the most part. It was just 
pretty bad. I'm sure as a kid, I loved it, though. I guarantee you as like a 13-year-old kid, I freaking loved it. See, that was the short period where I could, I was just no interest in wrestling at that point. I had kind of gotten sick of it, and I walked away, and it was like that period, and I didn't get back into it until they started building up to the uh, Iron Man match with uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. I see. I'm so not, I'm not the only one because business was in the toilet back then. <laughs> it really was. They were in small buildings and it was uh, pretty bad. So Tarzan, how many snowflakes would you give the main event? <laughs> the main event? Uh, yes. Probably negative two. I would wow. <laughs> <laughs> not minus five, minus two. It would, it, I, I'd rank it up there with the first uh, six borough Mark Sherman uh, chaotic main event, if you remember that one. Oh, oh. oh boy, MPG. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what I'd compare it to. All right, so hopefully this Sunday's pay-per-view, uh, SummerSlam 2016, will uh, fare a little better in our eyes. It's got to be better yeah, than, than this. Honest, um, what other than not this is going to make me sound stupid, but other than Seth Rollins and uh, Finn Balor, what's actually happening on SummerSlam. <laughs> well, Dean Ambrose versus Dolph Ziggler. Oh, okay. Wait, what? Tarzan's favorite wrestler. <laughs> Wait, you're making that up, right? No. <laughs> Where you been? How is Dolph Ziggler getting a title shot? This, he earned this, it. This is why it's called Tarzan Hates Wrestling. Because Tarzan really does hate wrestling. <laughs> well, it's not that I hate wrestling. Last I was actually watching, Ziggler never won a match. Well, why now, is he now he's the number one. Con- now he's a contender. <laughs> you got Brock Lesnar and uh, and Randy Orton. Okay, I did know about that one, Lesnar and uh, Randy Orton. Because I'm sure everyone buys that Randy Orton might actually win that match. Sure, <laughs> and uh, and much much more. I'll uh, come up on SummerSlam uh, this coming Sunday. We'll talk about it next week on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. But for now, uh, Tarzan, it was wonderful to have you a part of the it show. Was a pleasure. I enjoyed and myself. Our first two time guest, and hopefully uh, you won't be a. Uh, just a two-timer. You'll be a three and four and five-timer. Anytime. Oh, I think I think we're going to bring back this segment, Mike. All right. <laughs> that was a good time. And uh, make sure you uh, write a five-star review of this wrestling podcast uh, if you're listening out there. Oh, thank you very much. And follow Tarzan on Twitter. Oh, wait, oh no, all right. Mind. And both. Pretty I will face- say this. No. <laughs> I'm going to declare this. This is big news. Oh, yes? I'm going to break here because oh. I know... People like to break big news they on do. your <laughs> website, you know, retirements of indie wrestlers and whatnot. Yes. But uh, if CM Punk loses, I will reactivate my Facebook. Wow! <laughs> so you think CM Punk's going to win? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want him to lose. And if he does, I, I will go and reactivate it All just right. so I can bury him. All right. Well, we look forward to Tarzan being so back on Facebook I will uh, September 11th. Facebook if that happens. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that is breaking news, and we'll keep our eye on that, folks. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tarzan, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, you can see yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the door hit me in the ass in the way. Exactly. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. So what did you guys think of this segment? We did a little something different here. With the review of an old show, let us know uh, on Twitter, at the WPAN, on Facebook, facebook.com slash the WPAN. Let us know what you think, and if you have any other suggestions. The Retro Review slash Tarzan Hates Wrestling. Yes, let us know on Twitter if you have any, any other suggestions or ideas for different segments, different themes we could do for episodes of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. People seem to love our theme shows, like the show we did about the road, the show we did about being extras. People love that kind of stuff. So if you want to see anything special, special like that let us know and speaking of new stuff i am rebranding this segment brian the hashtag segment it's being rebranded and it is 
Merv Griffin time. I love it. I love it, Mike. The best episode of Seinfeld in history. Yeah, so if, you, if you're not really aware of Seinfeld, there's a, a special episode called the, the Merv Griffin Show with uh, where Kramer gets the Merv Griffin set. And that's what I'm thinking here. This is like a talk show within a talk show, this segment. It's our chance to sit down with the listeners and just talk. We talk to you, and most importantly, you talk to us. Get in on Merv Griffin time by calling our brand new voicemail line. That number is 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And we've got our first voicemail, Brian, and it's maybe our most loyal listener. Lenny from Lemonster. No, not exactly <laughs> Lenny from Lemonster. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but it is Big Woody, of course, one of our most loyal listeners. He always gives us great feedback. And so let's hear what Big Woody has to say. Big Ben, Croc Sox, Big Woody. He's checking in. Great show, as usual. I got one. I don't think it's a question, kind of a suggestion. I put an episode about Tony Rumble. There's a guy that gave a lot of people some breaks in the area. You don't hear a ton about him. I don't know. just think it'd be a good idea. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the great show. Okay, so he's, as we were just talking about these theme episodes, he's thinking about uh, a theme episode about Tony Rumble, and I think it's actually a great idea, and I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about it in my head. You could do... We could literally hit it from two angles, the t- Tony Rumble show, because uh, you so, can hit it from your angle of you right. being a part of the show, and that was really my big introduction to the world of indie wrestling, because I used to go to a lot of... Tony Rumble shows while my buddy was working them, so I can get a, I can give you a fan's perspective, and you can give the uh, behind the scenes perspective. How right. about that? And I think something like that, you someone you would need for an episode about Tony Rumble would be Rich Palladino, who, absolutely, uh, who was uh, Tony Rumble was Rich's mentor, and uh, I think that'd be someone you'd have to have here in the studio with us if we're going to talk about Tony Rumble. And I mean, this voicemail got me thinking about. This could be like a, a theme show, like the Founding Fathers of New England. You could do a episode about Kowalski, get a you know get an old school Kowalski guy in here to talk to us. You could do like Lobster Man, like uh, Joe Eugenio from New Bedford. You can. It kind of opened up my mind. Big Woody opened up my mind to all the possibilities, <laughs> and so thank you very much, Big Woody, for your voicemail. And I want everyone else to get in on this. Get in on Merv Griffin time. Send us a voicemail, and the other way you can participate though here. Uh, is to use our hashtag, of course. That's PDA for BDA. Tweet it at BDA underscore radio or at me. I'm at Croc Sox or at Brian. He is at Brian Malonis. We had a number of interesting tweets this week. Um, of course, Stephen talking about Finn Balor, and you got into a little... I had no freaking clue what he was going... <laughs> Stephen, I apologize. I had no clue what you were going for here at first, man. I thought he was like calling me out, and I'm thinking like... Did I bash Finn Balor or something? I'm like, no, I didn't bash Finn Balor. He's saying that if, if people uh, drop not, off. Yeah, exactly. If people know. drop off, if Finn Balor loses, then they're not real fans anyway. And I guess I kind of agree with that. And he is at guy 2004 yeah, Absolutely. But as I was reading those, I was like, is he, did I? I'm literally trying to remember, like, did I say something about Finn Balor on this, uh, on this episode? But uh, crisis was averted, and you guys, uh, you guys worked it out on <laughs> we Twitter. We just had made up. Yes, indeed. Uh, of course, Woody uh, said, sent us a nice compliment about about Max's story, and uh, David Ratty, the number one chaotic fan at Dave Ratman on Twitter, uh, sent us a question. He says chaotic had a long twelve year history at the Lowell PAV. Were you both bummed out like I was 
what you heard it was being torn down. The the Lowell PAV was like the the home arena, if you can call it an arena. It was like you know held held like. 220 people if you jam them all in max in uh, Lowell, Massachusetts. There was Chaotic Wrestling's big building for a number of years. He says a 12-year history. And, uh, yeah, were you s- bummed out when you found out it was going to be torn down? Yeah, I mean, you know, for as dingy and gross as that building was, it was it was our home. And, and above performing in front of the fans there, uh, it's where I matured as a, as a performer. It's where I came up as a performer. It's where I spent lots of moments with, with friends. Um, Have we, lots of cardboard pizza. Yes, we said goodbye to lots of friends there, you know, as they moved up and on to bigger and better things. Max Bauer from the last two episodes, mm-hmm. Sasha Banks. Kofi yeah. Kingston. Yes, you know, Fred um, Sampson. Just, you know, lots of good memories in that building. Um no, I definitely, I definitely missed the PAV. Uh, there was always something about that building, especially when you packed. It was a small building, so you packed 250, 300 people in there, and it was like, uh, you know, just jammed to the walls. Yeah. But it had atmosphere, had character. Uh, certainly, you know, I certainly missed, uh, you know, do miss performing at the PAV. The worst part about it was there was no notice given. Basically, there was no chance to do that. That a farewell event? No, it was. Uh, you know, if you actually want to give the fans, if I can give the fans a little insight sure. here at, at that this particular juncture, uh, I was very much involved in the in the operations of Chaotic Wrestling, and uh, uh, got an email from um, you know from you know the guy who ran the building. Uh, he was looking to actually talk to Jamie, the owner of Chaotic. Jamie was uh, away on vacation at the time and was not available at that particular moment, and it was an urgent thing. So I said, "Well, you know, I'm helping run, you know, the company. Like, you can talk to me." And then just the email came back of, "Yeah, uh, the building's being sold, and can't, you know, you can't have any more of your, your dates. We have to cancel all the rest of your your dates that you have booked with us." So was, yeah, just out of nowhere. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, so naturally got a hold of Jamie as soon as I could, and uh, we were left scrambling for a for a new venue. But yeah, that w- it was it really was out of the blue and just kind of out of nowhere craziness. Well, thanks, uh, David, uh, Dave Ratty, for the question. Uh, keep sending in those questions. We love uh, talking about old school chaotic stuff. And uh oh, Chad Alden, Chad Alden. Use the hashtag PDA for BDA. He is at Chad Alden, C-H-A-D-A-L-D-E-N. He is one of the hosts of our sister podcast, the MMA podcast on BDA Radio. And he says, hey, WPAN, what does the BDA stand for? Better done by a man walks into an arm bar. And he says, if you use a hashtag, it counts as one word. So he's uh, he's coming after us. So I, I mean, I wouldn't say I fired the first shot. <laughs> but but, but may, perhaps someone, uh, a relative of mine, might have called them up. And I, I was innocent. It was fun. I, I left him a nice voicemail. And uh, Wait, you left him a voicemail? No, no, no. Uh, my, my distant cousin may have. I may have left them a nice voicemail. And Fella sounded familiar. Yeah. If you go listen to the last episode, the uh, Conor McGregor versus WWE episode of Man Walks Into an Iron Bar. Uh, as you mentioned, Lenny from Lemonster made a nice uh, phone call to the well, show. Well, you felt bad because nobody was calling them. So you had your cousin, Lenny, Lenny Crockett, give them a call, <laughs> right? Well, I, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. I mean, they're doing very well over there at Mayweather Center and Iron Bar. You actually responded to Chad on Twitter. or Actually, you, res- you responded to uh, Paul Slane Ammon Jr., his, uh, his co-host, saying the, asking if there's any truth to the rumor that 
Chad Alden spend most of his vacation being put in a rear naked choke? I'm not quite sure what that means, Brian. Uh, you know, it might be some innuendo there, Mike. Uh, you know, in your per- endo, perhaps he likes uh, asphyxiation. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Uh, so uh, I don't know if, if we're gearing up for a, a turf war here with uh, a man walks into an arm bar. We'll uh, have to keep our eye on that, and everyone else keep their eye on. Uh, you our know, Twitters. you know what it is. It's not with. It's not with the the. It's not with the podcast. It's just I think Chad uh, heard my hosting uh, and uh, fe- you know he feels a little inferior, and I get it, man. I I'm, <laughs> I did a great job, and I don't even know I don't even know MMA. I just did a great job. Oh boy! So uh, Chad of five thousand, bring it on, bro. Bring it on. Oh boy! Oh, we're lighting fires all over the place here. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, also, TK checked in and uh, saying unfortunate what happened to Max, but at least he had a chance to live out his dream. That's at T Hog ninety four, and uh, yeah, definitely. It was a little uncomfortable uh, at times to talking to Max. You know, it's, it's still a little bit raw, you can tell, but uh, he he's in the, he's in a better place now. He's uh, he's on the other side of this thing and he's uh, living his life. And yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I mean, definitely a bummer of a story. And we hated to, you know you hate to leave the story like that. But really, the conclusion of Max's story isn't that his career in in the ring ended prematurely. It's the fact that he got to live out his dream and has now moved on and has another successful career and is still one of the nicest, funniest freaking guys that, that we know. So, you know, I think, you know, while it sucks, I don't think Max is the type of guy who wants people to feel sorry for him because I think he did, you know, genuinely enjoy the fact that he got to live out his dream. All right, so shout-outs before we, before we uh, leave the segment here. Booking the Territory, of course. Brian Malonis is part of this week's episode of Booking the Territory, so look them up on iTunes and elsewhere to uh, download that episode. Brian Malonis talks about his, uh, his story, especially he gets into stuff about Killer Kowalski and Tony Atlas, which he didn't quite even get into with us. So it was a great interview, so check that out. Also, the, I want to make sure I... Uh, Recognize the Hurricane Rana podcast to uh, continue to share our stuff on Twitter and stuff like that. And uh, they're doing their shows live on Wednesdays now on Facebook Live. So make sure you check out the Hurricane Rana podcast on um, Facebook and on Twitter. They're at the Hurricane Rana. And uh, they've been really good to us. And uh, we appreciate it very much. Also, OK Fabe. He's an old friend of mine who does video reviews of wrestling shows and he's the official smackdown reviewer of onewrestling.com uh with uh, bill apter so check out okay fabe's youtube channel i believe it is youtube.com slash okay faber and we hope to have okay fabe coming up on the show my buddy connor so hopefully we can line that up uh, probably after we get mike mills up on yes. the show so uh, also mark sherman Put us over the sure thing. Your your good friend put us over. Talked about the uh, the Max podcast that he really liked, and we appreciate that. So we want to see you here for Merv Griffin time. There's two ways you can participate. We'd be so appreciative if you would use that hashtag PDA for BDA on Twitter. Leave your questions and comments that way, or call the voicemail line 401 584 9726. That's 401 584 WPAN. Thanks so much to everyone who's a part of Merv Griffin Time this week. And we look forward to talking to you on Twitter. We look forward to hearing your voicemails. And we'll bring you the best of it next week on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. All right, Brian, let's get to it. The segment everyone's waiting for the promo about nothing. Brian, it was September 1986. It was WWF Superstars Australia. Yes, 
We're going international this week, That's Brian. right. The WPAN goes international for the first time. <laughs> yes, indeed. And it is the Rebel, Dick Slater. Dick Slater, a short time in the WWF. And in 1986, he was a part of this interview with our old friend, our longtime close personal friend, Mean Gene Okerlund. Let's go to this interview now with the rebel, Dick Slater. All right, fans, Mean Gene Okerlund reminding you to stand by. We're going to get you back up into the ring for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action in just a moment or two. As fans here in Australia know, the World Wrestling Federation doing so well at bringing top-notch talent from around the world into this great organization. One of our latest acquisitions happens to be from the U.S. of A. He is from Richmond, Virginia. He is known as the Rebel Dick Slater. Dick, come on in if you would, please. Welcome to this great country. I know you've been here before, and certainly you look forward to coming back here again. It's been a long, long time since I've been in Australia, but I'd like to say one thing right now. The greatest yacht race of all time is being held right now in Australia. Looks good, though. Now, I'm not going to be biased and say I would like the America Cup to come back to America. But I like to say, well, excuse me for holding up a piece of bread here. I got something to say about Nikolai Volkov when it's all over with. See, excuse me, Gene. Russia's not going to be. I got off thing. on something else. I got off on one thing, and now I got to get on something else. Well, we're now, I'm going to tell you something right now. I heard Nikolai Volkov talk about chicken. Now, anybody from the South knows what chicken's all about. This is a piece of bread. And as you can see, it's not a real piece bread. of bread. Otherwise, it'd be falling apart. But I'm going to tell you right there, this is a piece of fried chicken. Yes, it is. Now, Nikolai, let me tell you a little story about fried chicken. Nobody gets a better part of the chicken than a rooster. And Nikolai Volkov, you can take this bread and you know what you can do with it. Nope. But you cannot take this piece of chicken and try to chew it like a human being because you are not anything but a dirty, rotten, slimy, no good, egg-sucking dog. And wow. you better believe that. I know Australia will understand that. Well, Excuse me, Gene. Don't, I don't, don't mean to do words, Rebel. I thank you, Dick Slater. Fans, stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Did he say right back? He sure did. I didn't pick up on that uh, the first time. <laughs> now, yeah, you have to go watch the video. Check out the link to the uh, YouTube video, which will be on the description of this episode. He's holding this bread. He said, but he says it's not real bread. So... Is this a rubber piece of bread? I don't. I don't know. I don't know what it could be if it is it's not real bread. It's extremely phallic. It seems like something that maybe we used to work with at our old uh, job. It's, <laughs> yes. It was very from aisle five. Yes. <laughs> I don't understand. He's he's holding this this loaf French bread, which may or may not be real. Yeah. You know, the one common theme with all these promos we do is it tends to be. Some sort of like terrible analogy or some story <laughs> that they're trying to tell that just goes in a uncomfortable, awkward, nonsensical direction. Yeah, it's yeah, as you said, these promos that they're probably shooting all day and they're just trying to come up with something to get through this minute long promo. And yes. Yeah, French bread, and someone probably said to him, hey, I dare you, take this piece of fake French bread and this piece of chicken and do a promo, I dare you. Well, after he told him, like, they kind of, like, insinuated he was going to, you know, he should shove the bread up his ass, I thought for sure he was going to tell him to shove the chicken up his ass, but then he, I don't know, he can't chew it, I don't know. It's just, 
Yeah, thanks, Dick Slater. <laughs> there you go. That's your promo button. Nothing for this week. As I mentioned, check out the description of this episode for the link to see the video and see the rubber French bread for yourself. Okay, Brian, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got dates? I got dates, Mike. I had a, a rare weekend off this past weekend. It was kind of nice. I ran a 5K, so I uh, you know, could use the uh, rest. <laughs> so you were laid up for the rest of the weekend? <laughs> yeah, but more or less, <laughs> more or less. But I returned to action Friday night, August the 19th, Providence, Rhode Island, at the RWA Chop Shop, the Renegade Wrestling Alliance. The Kingpin takes on Mike Grassa, the mind eraser. I see. Wow. Yes. So uh, I, I returned to RWA the very next night, Saturday night, August the 20th, Atlantic Pro Wrestling, the APW Arena at the Newberry Firehouse. I defend the Atlantic Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship against Slick Wagner Brown. The Andy Wrestling Dream Match coming to APW. There you go. August 26th, Friday night, Top Row Promotions. This is a big one, Mike. Campanelli Stadium, one. Brockton, Mass. Yours truly versus Nightmare Nick Steele, also on the card. Below me, of course, on the marquee. Come on. Who's above the kingpin? Right. Kevin Nash. Big yeah. Van Vader. Don't let uh, Kevin Nash hear this episode, please. <laughs> I know. Keep this away from him. Oh, oh, hey, wait a minute here. We don't think we can roll this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta see this guy. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Dreamer and Gangrel also it was on all this Mabel. huge it show. It was all Mabel. Yes, Mabel ruined that. Poor Kevin event. Nash. I mean, now we're now we're make, speaking of the dead. <laughs> we can't win with this. One. This one's going downhill, man. <laughs> okay, to move on. Let's just trudge through it. Okay. <laughs> the very next night, August the twenty seventh, Lucky Pro Wrestling, Clinton, Massachusetts. I take on Big Jim Anderson. Battle of the big men. Yes. Dr. Hersey would be so pleased. Smitten. <laughs> and then Sunday, August 28th, Beyond Wrestling, Aurora Providence, and a yet-to-be-determined role. Hopefully I get to take off the stripes. Maybe, please. Hey, what's wrong with the stripes? <laughs> well, you know, Mike, I've gained a new appreciation for what you're doing there. I, it turns out... I am a horrible referee. In my last <laughs> venture out, I even assaulted a wrestler. So. Oh, my goodness. The, the stripes look very slimming on you, though. Very slimming. Thanks, Mike. And, uh, and then uh, September 10th. Oh. Oh, how about that? Huh? I returned to Wareham, Massachusetts at the Wareham Middle School for Top Rope Promotions. All right. So, so how d- about that? How about that? We're getting into <laughs> September now. All yes, right, I know the summer's go. Where did the summer go, Mike? Where did it go? Who knows? But we got to get out of here. We got to leave. Yeah, friggin' Tarzan talked way too long. <laughs> yes, but before we do, let's give a special shout out. Should we still do the special shout out? Yeah, but why I guess. not? Special shout out to the podcast with little talent but lots of extra belly fat. A man walks into an arm bar. BDA Radio's MMA podcast hosted by Chad Alden. The Jealous Chad Alden and Paul St. Edmund Jr. Find them on BDARadio.com. And if you don't subscribe, they'll take your solid teeth and make them busted teeth. <laughs> they sure will. Make sure you go listen to a man walks into an arm bar for all the stories behind the teeth. 
All right. Maybe Lenny's going to call into us next. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Guys, be a part of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on every platform. We really encourage you to be a part and interact with us outside of the show. So on YouTube, search the WPAN and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to Facebook, facebook.com slash the WPAN. Check out our new Instagram, new Unique photos every day on Instagram at the WPAN. And of course, go to at the WPAN and follow us on Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, follow our fine sponsor on Twitter at BDA underscore radio. And follow me at Crocsox and the Kingpin at Brian Malonis. Of course, remember to use that hashtag PDA for BDA to get a shout out on an upcoming show. And call us, please call us, interact with us live. We'll play you live on the air, 401-584-WPAN to be a part of the show, be a part of the Merv Griffin time next time on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. And for all of your MMA and wrestling talk, come on over to BDARadio.com. Okay, Brian, we'll be back next Monday with another episode of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Until then, he's the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett, and thanks for nothing.